Good morning, church. How is everybody doing? I'll be honest, I am so flippin' nervous right now, but it's gonna be great. It'll be totally fine. Um, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Stephanie. I happen to be married to um, Pastor Dustin, which is pretty great. Are you taking my picture? No. Okay. Just <laughs> wanna be ready for all the things. Um, happy Mother's Day, moms. Happy Mother's Day to my mom. I know you're watching. Hi. I get two minutes of fame, you guys. Um, I am so thankful for my mom, for other ladies who have been in my life that have been like second moms to me um, in the good and the bad, and it's been so great. And if you aren't, if you don't have your own kids, I know that you speak into somebody else's kids. So thank you for doing that because moms, we love that because our kids don't always listen to us. Probably like 88.6% of the times, they don't listen to us. So I love, love, love moms. And special shout out, my friend's going to kill me. But you guys, we live in Washington, which is where my bestie lives. And it is so fun to be so close to her. So thank you. And if I keep talking about you, I'm going to cry. Um, let's start out this morning praying. God, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you for this opportunity to speak your word to our community, to the people that I love so, so, so dearly. Um, I just pray that you bless moms today. I pray that you just give moms an extra little bit of rest and peace today, God. Um, and would you just open our hearts to your word. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, if you have your Bible, digital or regular, I happen to be old school and love the, the whole book. Um, we're going to be in Matthew 6 today, starting in verse 25. Um, and I thought I might, some of you might know me a little bit, but I thought I would give a little bit of rundown about who am I? Who is Stephanie? I was born and raised in a small town in California outside of San Francisco, right in between San Jose and San Francisco. I lived there my entire life until last year when we uprooted um, and moved here to this beautiful place. I will say, I have heard that I have a California accent, um, so if you hear that, enjoy that. And um, those of us from California don't call it Cali, so you, know, you stand out like a sore thumb if you start calling it Cali. Um, Pastor Dustin and I are college sweethearts. We met at Sacramento State um, many, many moons ago, and it has been 14 years of wedded bliss. I went to Sac State. Um, I picked that school to become an interior designer, is what I really wanted to do with my life. I quickly learned that it would take me five, minimum five whole years to get out of that school, and I said, heck no, I will be leaving. Um, I will be changing my major. And I changed my major to communications with an emphasis in public relations. So here I am. <laughs> and um, when I met Pastor Dustin, I think he shared a little bit about this. I thought he was so annoying. You know, think about that super annoying kid in your class. We all had one, don't say you didn't, or maybe it was you, and I'm really sorry, I'm gonna just call you out for a minute. I thought he was that kid. He would never stop talking, he was so annoying. And here we are all those years later, God has changed our hearts. And he was my Bible study leader. So if you have college students or if your kids are headed off to school, watch out for the, those Bible study leaders. They'll swoop in. But it was a good situation. However, he did lie to me. Um, he told me he was going to be a children's pastor. 
And I said, great, I'm on board, I love kids, even though my kids don't think I love kids. I love kids. We can love them forever and ever, and they'll be so great. Well, then he decided to take a job as a youth pastor. Uh, Buddy, you told me you wouldn't do that. Okay, fine, we'll go there. And he also promised me all those years ago that he would never become a senior pastor. He has lied. I have forgiven him, I still love him, and I'm so thankful where God has brought us today. We love our new roles, we love our church. And I know that you've heard about our two kids. Aurora is 10, going on 15 and a half. Super sassy and amazing. There's so much glitter in our house. And Avery is six. She is our resident comedian. She can make you laugh seriously about anything. So funny. And there are no quiet moments in our house. You think girls are maybe a little quieter? No, there's no quiet. There's music playing all the time. We have dance parties. We love to cook and bake. We have a small obsession with Disney. Um, We love to travel as a family. And my two favorite places to go, my number one favorite place is Hawaii. Thanks, mom and dad. And Disneyland. And most people go to Disneyland to ride the rides. I love Thunder Mountain Railroad, fast train, roller coaster. It's awesome, my speed. I go to eat. I go to eat everything in sight. I could tell you, no matter where you are in Disneyland, I can tell you, like a good mom, where the nearest bathroom is, what the best food option is for where you're standing. So I love a good churro, that is my my classic snack, and a good Dole Whip, pineapple soft serve, just, I could go for that right now, it sounds so good. And my guilty pleasure of eating is ice cream. And not just like thrifty ice cream or store, I don't, do they still make thrifty ice cream? I can see like a square scoop on the top of a cone. I love really good ice cream. My favorite place here is Ice Cream Social. And so that means ice cream usually costs more than $5. I cannot leave it in my freezer. I will eat all of it. I have a little individual pint holder that I just like dig into so fast. It doesn't stay in our house. And I really don't have a favorite flavor. I love chocolate and vanilla. I love coffee. I love cherry almond. as long as it doesn't have banana in it, I'm your girl. I am the only introvert, the only introvert in a house of extroverts. Pastor Dustin is an extrovert, both of our girls. Our dog, Nala, who I was bamboozled into getting in the middle of COVID, is also an extrovert. (laughs) I am the only, only introvert. Now I know you guys know that Pastor Dustin has a large family. I have one brother, hi Grant, and I have four cousins. That's it, that, that is the extent of my family. You could count us on both hands. There's maybe 15 family members. So I have married into this huge family. It's pretty awesome. And I have become newly obsessed with working out. My day cannot start until I get my workout in. And if you had told me that five years ago, I would have laughed in your face crying, like, yeah, there's no way, no way at all. During COVID, I found an enjoyment for hiking. And I used to have this great line, because my parents, when we're traveling, they love to take us on a walk, is what they call it. But what they really mean is 
up a steep hill. And I had a saying growing up, I think I came up with this in about maybe high school, maybe a little later, if you can't see the car, you've gone too far. If you can't see the car, you've gone too far. So if you're not a hiker, maybe take that, write that down real quick. Best note you got all day today. Um, in my past life, I worked at Nordstrom. I worked in retail for a very, very, very long time. And about five years ago, we took a huge leap of faith as a family, and I left that retail job to be home more with our kiddos and leave those crazy retail hours, which I think you can hear my child jumping up above our heads. Um, I still love to shop. I love to shop at Nordstrom. I love to shop at Target. I really miss my Nordstrom discount. That was a hard thing to leave in the past. Um, and I do love to thrift, too. Probably a third of my wardrobe is from a thrift store, believe it or not. So it's a fun, a good treasure hunt. And after I left Nordstrom, a little while later, I worked for a small city in California, and I worked in their parks and recreation department. I answered their phones and did some other office things. And if you've ever seen the show Parks and Recreation, has anybody seen that show? It is just like the show. The people are just as crazy. There is no Little Sebastian, though. That was kind of a bummer. I did miss Little Sebastian. If you haven't watched that show, it's really great. Yeah, RIP. <laughs> Um, and when I moved to Washington, I became the church admin. I work here a handful of hour, hours a week. So if you ever get an email from info at CCPwallop or you email that, it's me. And I also recently, in the last handful of months, started working for a plumbing company, which is super fun. I work in their office. I help answer the phones and schedule plumbers and do whatever office kind of things need to be done. Um, both are super, super, super fun jobs. And I asked Aurora, hey, what should I tell the church? What should they know about me? Loaded question for a 10-year-old. She said to tell you, I always say no. I don't know if any other moms can relate to that. I always say no, and I do not like kids, which is also false, and I am the least funny person in my house, which amongst the four of us, yes, it, it is me, and that's okay. I'm totally fine. My last insider point about myself is that I am so excited to share with you this morning, but I also feel the weight of sharing God's word with you. Um, and the burden, the good burden that that is. And so I am so stinking nervous and so excited. Um, I love this book. I love the Bible. And I really encourage you, if you don't already love the Bible, I encourage you to dig in some more. There is murder in here. There are some great love stories in here. There's people who follow Jesus, people who don't follow Jesus. It is amazing. It is jam-packed full of full of really great stories. Um, but this morning, we're going to look at Matthew chapter 6. And we're going to start in verse 25. And my Bible calls this little section, the cure for anxiety. Anxiety is a pretty big, pretty big deal. I think a lot of people have struggled with anxiety. Or if you personally haven't, you probably know of somebody who has. And there's lots of levels of anxiety as well, too. And I personally have struggled with anxiety. One of the big um, 
things that came up to my mind as I was digging into this passage of how could I share from my life how I faced anxiety? And it took me back to a time just a little over, probably about 10 years ago, right after I had had Aurora. So she's our oldest. And I had to go back to work. We lived in California. We bought a home. So that means you're paying a mortgage in California. We needed two full-time incomes at the time to live where we were and to continue on with our current life. And I was not ready to go back to work. Aurora was probably three, maybe almost four months old. I wasn't ready to leave her at all. And I will say in California, it is probably the best state to have a baby. You get a good chunk amount of time off of work, which is awesome, but I wasn't ready to leave her. And so I started thinking about my morning routine and how our morning would shift and change and the morning snuggles. And, you know, when you walk into your baby's room, you're like, oh, my goodness, good morning. We're so happy to see you. Usually they're smiling. Sometimes they're not, and that's okay. And so it was my first morning getting ready to go back to work. And I, I'm a work backwards kind of person. If I have to be somewhere at 8 a.m., I start counting backwards. Okay, this is what time I need to get up. This is what time I need to leave. All of those kind of things. And I was halfway through my morning routine, and I just lost it. I started bawling my eyes out. My breathing was real bad. And I walked into our room, and I just looked at Dustin. And I, said, I can't do this. I, I cannot do this. There is no way that I'm going back to work. I, ju I just can't. There's no way. And I loved my job. I loved my store manager at the time. I loved my team at the time. I loved working with customers. I didn't want to leave my baby. I was not ready to leave her. So I'm I walked into her room, and I'm bawling, and I'm telling them all these things, and then I just walk out, and I leave. And I walk back into our bathroom, and I end up just sitting on the floor, curled up in a ball, doing that, like, cry, breathing, deep thing, the that thing. And he came in, and he just said, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Take a breath. And remember that Aurora gets to be with her cousin. She has a cousin who's nine-ish months older than her. She gets to be with Ethan. And she gets to be with her grandma and her aunties. And if we're not the ones that get to be with her, this is the next best scenario. And then he left. He just let me think about that, take it in. It takes me a little time to process. And I started thinking about that and going, okay, yes. I, I do love my job. I am ready to go back and lead this group of people. And it's okay for Aurora to be in somebody else's hands. And so that's just one way that I have seen anxiety in action. I've seen it in action in friends and family members as well, too. And it shows itself in really different ways. But let's dig in to Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. And it starts off saying, Therefore I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink or about your body or what you will wear, which is, can be a big, big challenge in the morning. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? 
Consider the birds of the sky. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth more than they? Can any of you add one moment to his lifespan by worrying? And why do you worry about clothes? Observe how the wildflowers of the field grow. They don't labor or spin thread. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was adorned like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and thrown into the furnace tomorrow, won't he do much more for you? You have little faith. So don't worry, saying what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be provided for you. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has had enough trouble of its own. Wow. That's a lot. And I'm, I'm big about context, too. So in Matthew chapter 6, if you just start looking at the beginning of your Bible, you know there are little titles. Matthew talks about in here about how to give, how to pray, important, the Lord's Prayer, how to fast, about God and possessions, and then we drop down to this verse, this little section about the cure for anxiety. And I went to the almighty Google and asked, what is anxiety? What's the definition? Google says it's the intense, excessive, and persistent worry and fear about everyday situations. Out of the 332-ish million people, it's a lot of people that live in the United States, 40 million of those struggle with anxiety. That's about 40, um, so 40 million people, that is about 19% of our population, just here in the United States. That's not worldwide, that's just here. And of those 19%, this is crazy to me, 7% of those are kids, ages 3 to 17. So that's also a lot of people. And women are 23 more percent. It, it's a higher rate for women. It's about 23 more percent of women have anxiety than men. So, and I've seen that in action too. I think women, as women, we worry about how to feed our family. Are those pants going to fit tomorrow? Who's going to pay the bills? What about running a business? What about our kids? The decisions they make? Um, who are their friends going to be? We worry about our days, our weeks, and our years. So my first point this morning is God loves and cares for us. I just have two points. That's all. Matthew starts out in verse 25. I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, about your body or what you will wear. Isn't life more than the food and the body more than clothing? Consider the birds of the sky. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. God loves us so much that he cares for us. We don't need to worry because God has a plan for the smallest things on earth 
He has a plan for the grass and those birds that sometimes poop on your head. He has a plan for us. Verse 31 says, so don't worry, saying, what will we eat? Even though, a little side note here, I feel like a lot of moms maybe in here are worrying about what we're going to eat later today. Um, What's for lunch and maybe what's for dinner. A few Mother's Days ago, probably five-ish, Pastor Dustin asked me what I would like to do on Mother's Day. And I said, um, all I want to do on Mother's Day is lay in a lounge chair in the backyard in the sun. It's California. It's like 82 degrees. The sun is out. I just want to take a nap in the sun. That's it. All I want to do. I'm not looking for anything else. So I go into the backyard. He says, yes, no problem. I got it. I'll keep the kids entertained. I'm out there taking a nap. He comes out at some point and turns on the barbecue. I'm not really sure when, but I woke up to uh, a smell that wasn't that yummy barbecue smoke. It was like a burning fire, not so good smoke. And I call his name, Dustin, Dustin, no response. Now I'm frantic and I'm running into our house and he's in the kitchen putting together some other things for dinner. And I'm like, hello, the barbecue is on fire. It's very close to our house. I'm a little worried our house is going to burn down today and this will literally be the worst Mother's Day of our lives. (laughs) He comes running outside. He takes a look. Oh, no. He didn't get it under control and everything was fine. Um, Our dinner was delicious. I'm sure we were having steak that night and it was super good. He's a great, really good cook, which is awesome. Um, But yes, so I'm sure people are worrying about what they're going to eat. So maybe watch the barbecue today, gentlemen. So back to verse 31. So don't worry saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. So God isn't calling us to make a stupid decision, which that's called the S word in my house. I'm real sorry, said in church. He's not calling us to make stupid decisions. God wants us to be wise with our money, our time, our possessions, and our decisions. He doesn't want us to worry about where it's going to come from. But what do we do when we hit bottom? And we think and wonder, where are my things going to come from? And who's going to provide for me? And in Philippians, if you flip back a little bit, Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says, Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all, all your understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. So Paul isn't telling us here that we shouldn't be anxious about anything, anything at all, but to pray and with a thankful heart to talk to God. Tell him your needs and your desires. He wants to talk to you. He wants to share life with you. He wants to do life with you. He wants to be in your life. And his peace a peace that we can't get from buying things or going on vacations or talking to our friends, which are all usually good things, those aren't things that are going to give us peace. Only God can give us the peace 
And it's a peace that our simple human minds cannot even understand. Number two, God's got this. Verses 33 and 34. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be provided for you. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So again, it's not saying don't plan, but don't plan so much that if one thing goes wrong, it's going to send you out of whack, over the edge. This is a hard one for me. I'm a planner. I'm not a long-term five-year planner. If I was, we would not be living in Washington. But I'm a day, week, month planner. And I can tell you our plans for the holidays. I could tell you what we're going to eat for dinner this week. But I can't tell you where God's going to take us. I can't tell you how long we have on this planet. But I can tell you that God's got it. He's got it. He knows because he loves us so much that he has us in his hands all cared for. And our job is to follow. I can guarantee you that's my child right there. Every Sunday she's like, I stop so loud. Our job, it's always the PKs, you guys. Our job <laughs> is to follow. And for those of us who have been following Jesus a really long time, we know that it's way harder than it sounds. This is the most extensive game of follow the leader you've ever played, ever, ever. And a lot of times, this means listening to God. It means talking to him in prayer over all the things, everything. This means maybe doing something that isn't in your norm. Maybe meeting up with that new person. Maybe introducing yourself to somebody new on a Sunday morning. Maybe it means of giving of your time of new ways. Maybe it means joining a hospitality team or joining those awesome kids upstairs or leading a summer small group. It can mean a lot of different things. But following God, because he loves us so much, He's got it all planned out. And just because he has it all planned out doesn't mean that we get to know every step of the path. We might know the next small little step ahead of us, but the odds are we're not going to know the next three steps or the next four steps. And that's okay. I'm not sure about you guys, but I literally do life in songs. My head is like a walking musical. I promise not to break out in song and dance. Um, I know you guys are disappointed. Um, but somebody will say something, and it'll, a line from a song will pop into my head. And as I was studying this passage, I kept going back to a great song by Maverick City called Gyra. If you haven't heard, heard the song or them, I would definitely encourage you to go listen. Go look them up. My favorite parts of this song are, Jaira, you are enough. So I will be content in every circumstance. Jaira, you are enough. If he dresses the lilies with beauty and splendor, how much more will he clothe you? If he watched over every sparrow, 
how much more does he love you? Jaira means provider. So the song is saying the Lord is my provider and he is enough. He's enough. So what do we do now? How do we battle our anxiety or the craziness that life throws at us? And what is giving us anxiety? How do we let it go? Queen Elsa said it best, let it go. How do we evaluate the things that we need to hang on to or the things that we need to let go? I encourage you today or tomorrow to make a list of all the things that are giving you anxiety. Write them all down. That could be a small, or this could be big in somebody's house. Loading the dishwasher incorrectly, that could give you anxiety. It gives me anxiety. Um, it could be decisions that your kids are making. It could be who your kids' friends are. It could be how are we going to pay the bills this week or tomorrow? Who's going to do the meal planning? Write down all of these things. And then pray over your list. Turn it over to God. Here you go, God. This is, these are my list of things that are giving me anxiety. And I give it up to you because you have a plan for us. And you're going to show me what I need to do, what my next steps are. And this is probably not a one-time thing. Writing down this list, this list may change a little bit. Change it up, write it all down, and keep turning it over to God again and again and again. Let God know that you are in the continual process of turning your anxiety over to him. 1 Peter 5.7 says, casting all your cares on him because he cares about you. God loves us so much that he's got our backs. Church, he loves us. He loves us so much. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your book. It is filled with so many good challenges, with encouragement, with love. It's an amazing love story that you have given us, God, and we are so thankful for it. I pray that you give each of us the time this morning and the time this week to write down our anxiety, to write down what's going on in our life, God, and to help us give it over to you. Give it all over to you, God, because you're the one in control. You've got it all. And I just pray for the moms this morning that you would just bless them. Would you just give them rest and peace? Thank you for loving us and for caring for us. Thank you for your awesome plan for our lives. In your name we pray, amen.